Hi, and welcome to another episode of Sustainable Travel Japan. Today it's focused on Yamaguchi, some off the beaten track、uh, gems that you might have missed from travel guides and brochures and even online social media. But I'm joined today by Canadian and long term resident of Yamaguchi, Alison Miyake. Miyake, thank you so much for joining. No, it's my pleasure, Joy. Thanks for having me. So, you've been based in Hikari、uh, along the beach, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. It's a beautiful area. And I visited you there, and we went to a flea market when the kids were small. They played at the great playground. So, can you start by telling us a little bit about Hikari? Okay. Um, it's a city of about 60,000 people and it's stretched all along a very long white sandy beach.、Um, we're about an hour from both Iwakuni and Tokuyama, which would be the nearest Shinkansen stations. And we're sort of the local beach、um, because it's white sandy, there's lots of beautiful islands to look at,、uh, swimming, there's camping in the summer.、Uh, it's a very beautiful area. Um, where I am today is actually、uh, Murozumi. It's an older neighborhood in the city. And this is where they have the market、uh, at Fugan Temple. That was yesterday, or Sunday, actually. So、nice. it's quite a nice market with lots of antique kimonos and.、Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah, I've, I've heard. I think that when we visited as well, the flea market was really good. There were lots of beautiful kimonos for like a thousand yen, like a huge、yes. bargain, bargain area. And you're going to give us a little walkthrough of the market at the end of today's show because、um, you are there at the market right now, right? Yes, it's actually a different market. This is、um, it's a local company that's been buying up some of the older houses. In this area, because nobody's living in them, and so they need to be kept up. And lots of new restaurants, coffee shops, and、um, shops have popped up in the last year or two. So I'm still discovering new places because I've kind of been out of the city a bit for the last year. That's awesome. Uh, one,、yes. place, one place that we went to together in Yamaguchi、uh, was a Hofu trip. We went to、yes. Hofu. So, should we talk a little bit about that Hofu trip? We went、yes. to beautiful、uh, temple, gardens, traditional house, and gardens as well.、Uh, what,、yes. what stands out for you about that Hofu trip?、Um, uh, I really liked that there was the experiential part of it, that we were able to write calligraphy in the old house. That was quite a nice experience. Like, really. Spending time being in that place.、Um, I, I think those kinds of tours are more interesting for foreign visitors at, at now and for、uh, foreigners living in Japan as well. I think that group often gets over, overlooked.、Um, lots of people traveling and trying to have that authentic Japanese experience, whether it be calligraphy or, say, trying taiko or tea ceremony or. Um, lots of places these days are starting kimono tours, so you can actually、uh, get dressed up in a kimono and walk through the old streets and have your photo taken.、Yeah. They, they do that in Hagi, for example. 
Yeah, we'll we'll mention that in Hagi. Uh, we're talking about Hofu right now, and yes. uh, we'll talk about Hagi a little bit later. But we went to the Mudo Gardens and the Mudo Museum, which is an old, traditional, beautiful house, which has been yes. restored, and you can wander through. What really impressed me with this house and gardens was just reminded of how huge the old traditional like regal buildings are there's yes. so much space inside right oh. and very adaptable as well right because they have the shoji screens so you can easily take the screens out and make the room bigger and the tea house outside right was a separate building in the garden yeah that's lots right. of um, different perspectives to admire the garden from yeah it, the japanese um, really like exploring yeah. things in different seasons as well right definitely definitely and having those sliding doors uh where you can lift up or pull down part of it to either see the moon or to see the gardens and still retain your privacy and shade inside i love that that concept i also love looking at these old buildings looking up the ceilings the, all the woodworking, all the detailing, you know, trying to take in all that craftsmanship, which is so special. Mm -hmm. I think that old house had a, was it a copper roof? That is very, very unusual in Japan these days. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I'm showing it here. Yeah, was the, it the, copper? The bigger house with the garden is very, very famous. They have events at different times of the year. So they bring out like the 100 year old dolls during the doll festival in March. Um, they have beautiful plum blossoms and cherry blossoms in season. And I know lots of people have had their coming of age kimono photos taken in the garden there because it's such a lovely spot, like very, the, the background of the building inside the building or the background of the garden is so lovely for taking photos yeah definitely i could imagine uh if you visit like you said at any time of the year uh, whether it's the cherry blossoms in spring or the dark green lush colors of summer or the bright vivid oranges and reds and golds of autumn or even covered in snow any time of year would be so beautiful mm. The, the temple also does lots of different events. Quite recently, I saw a photo they had put up on Instagram where they put uh, flowers all up the center of the stairs. It was really beautiful. And the, the little garden down at the bottom of the stairs that not a lot of people know about, we had tea there. I love um, that. Oh, it's so pretty in there. And definitely you can feel the seasons there. They have momiji, the Japanese maple trees and carp in the pond and it's very pretty in there yeah another another one that not a lot of people know about is called amadaiji and it's on the outskirts of hofu but it's got like uh hundreds and hundreds of hydrangea it's absolutely beautiful in uh, may or june when they all start blooming beautiful mm. uh be before we move on let's uh talk about the tenmangu shrine a little bit okay. uh, we mentioned we mentioned that we visited there uh so we were at the mori house in 
whole food, but we also went to this beautiful Tenmangu shrine, which is very popular. Uh, so I would recommend going earlier in the day or later in the day because it does get crowded. Um, mm -hmm. This is this is one of the staff of the shrine walking up the stairs in the signature white and red uh, uniform that they wear, and these. I think um, staff, they also served us tea in the tea yes, ceremony room, which is next to here. And at the top, something that I found really fun um, at the top of the stairs at the temple or at the shrine was all the Dharma dolls that yes. they had. And they also had like a, a fish for getting your fortune. And uh -huh. we were there. We were there as a family, so my, my daughter was about 10 at the time, and she really enjoyed doing that activity where you fish for your good fortune. And inside inside the little keepsake fish, uh, it's like paper mache fish, there's a little uh, fortune inside. You could have good luck, average luck, or bad luck. <laughs> a nice part of um, Japanese culture that it's it's really fun for the family too, right? Mm -hmm. uh, thanks for joining Pablo from Los Angeles on the HAPS team. It's great to have you here. And uh, so, Allison, also we mentioned going to the tea room. Yes. And I really enjoyed that little tea house, and it was kind of a hidden garden. Mm -hmm. uh, once again, beautiful coloring was starting to come out. We saw a little glimpse of fall uh, in the garden there. And I'm showing the picture here with all that delicate woodworking of yeah. that tea house building, like all the intricate detail. If you rush through, you would miss it all, right? But yeah. if you take your time, you can really feel more calm, but also appreciate that craftsmanship, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's what I enjoyed most about that is is the, the time, is sitting and being able to absorb things. I think often people plan too busy of an itinerary. I, I know you talk about this a lot and trying to rush through things and you don't really get that connection with the history or with the people. So yeah, those kinds of experiential parts are really important, I think. Definitely. Uh, I'm going to show more of the wood detail because I, I really loved it. And then we saw the the koi pond yes. as well in the garden, right? So uh -huh. this is this is the wood detailing up at the ceiling inside the tea house. And I hadn't seen this kind of wood engraving before, so I was very impressed with that. And the koi, of course, the carp fish in the pond, always popular for people to see. <laughs> There's a second floor in that building as well. And they'll serve you tea up there. You can, you don't have to be a big group. You can just go as two or three people. I've done that before. And it's, it's very nice, very reasonable. But again, a lot yeah. of people miss it. So when you're facing the stairs to Hofu Tenmangu, the garden is on your right. Yeah. And uh, we were in the main room. We had a lot of people doing the tea ceremony at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we, we were in the main room, um, but it was really relaxed and still very calm, even though there were a lot of us. And I really enjoyed how 
I didn't feel any pressure. Sometimes during tea ceremony, you feel pressure, like you have to be like in a class or in a proper training, right? But it was very relaxed. It was open up to the beautiful gardens. It was a nice big room. The staff were very calm yes. and it was very high quality, but it was very, it wasn't very long. And I, I just really enjoyed that experience a lot. There are a lot of rules to tea ceremonies, so I know what you mean about getting nervous, but I think Japanese people are just so happy when, uh, when people from other countries show an interest in the culture. So they're happy to explain if you don't know what, what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And you mentioned about going to that traditional house and doing calligraphy uh, yes. experience with the staff. And I'm, I'm showing the picture of the house and gardens mm. here. And usually that's not open for the public. But if you go with a guide or if you book a group tour, I think you're able to go and experience this really beautiful place and like an old heritage traditional building, right? Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot, as I'm sure you have as well, uh, calligraphy experiences, but mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed this one and the staff were great in teaching how to do it and uh, writing different characters and explaining the meaning. And I think um, this is definitely a good style for any guides who are yes. trying to take uh, groups around and teach a little bit of calligraphy. Um, most people are not going to want to become calligraphy masters. They're just going to want to try it and experience it and be in a beautiful place. And so I thought this was a great part of the experience in the old house doing calligraphy. Yes, and the teacher was an artist, right? So she first we were kind of doing it the right way, and then she let us play around with red ink as well. So I, I also wanted to say, like, I did a lot of teaching at elementary and junior high school, and we often have this kind of exchange where we invite people from other countries and do performances. And I, I always said, you know, I think it's so much better if we can make something together. So at the elementary school, we did calligraphy. That was an easy one. The kids would teach the, the you know, English teachers how to write their name in kanji. And doing something together, you're not face to face. It's much easier for them to try and speak English. Um, we did taiko one year, which was really fun because I've never played taiko before. So that kind of thing, um, it really breaks the ice, right? As opposed to some sort of a more formal performance. I think when you're sitting down and making something together, like even cooking, I often tell exchange students when they go overseas, to take a recipe or take some food and make something for their host family because the act of making things together they'll never forget that experience yeah definitely so it's, it's like bringing a little bit of japan with you when you go overseas or vice versa like i think it's really important yeah to absolutely. kind of get away from performance to experiential yeah, I agree, 100%. Um, and something about the experience that we're experiencing this month is watching the moon. The autumn, autumn moon has been raved about. A lot of people are posting about the beautiful moon yes. um, this time of year. And I had the chance years ago to be at Kintaikyo um, in Iwakuni, which is a beautiful part of Yamaguchi. Uh, during the full moon and they have a lot of interesting beautiful festivals there 
And uh, we were so lucky to see this big, clear moon of autumn. I just love that. Uh, I know you've been to Kentucky many times yes. as well. It's one of the most popular places in Yamaguchi for Japanese tourists as well. Um, the bridge, I don't know how old the bridge is. It was built in the 1600s. It doesn't use any metal um, nails or connecting in any way. Um, the interesting thing is my husband's an architect. So he says like Issei Jingu, it, it is rebuilt. I think uh, Kintaikyo is every 50 years. Issei Jingu is a little bit shorter span, but they rebuild it so that the older carpenters can teach the younger carpenters how to build it within oh, their lifetime. Interesting. And so important to keep, up, to keep up the skills, right? Over yes. generations. Yes, because it's very difficult to find carpenters, for example, that can build temples these days or even to find the right wood to do that. So we have to keep these skills alive. And, and I like that it's passed down orally, like it's not some sort of an engineer's instruction manual. It's, it's again, working together side by side. This is the theme today, maybe. And passing that knowledge on like physically as well as verbally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, one of the things in terms of sustainability and finding ways to support the local community, I think is done really well here at mm -hmm. Kentucky because they're charging people to go over the bridge and they use the money to maintain the bridge and to maintain the traditional buildings around the area. So the local people can see how tourism is benefiting what they value as local people. And I think mm -hmm. this is really an important part of sustainable tourism as we're moving forward. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I did a session with tour guides yesterday and they asked that question. They said, how do we make sure that we're not uh, damaging the beautiful local place yes. or the local environment by bringing tourists in. And I think this Too is such people. an important question that every destination, every travel guide, every tour uh, influencer should be questioning and thinking about how can we retain the value? How can we retain the quality for local people and the local environment? So I was really happy with that to see that at uh, Iwakuni? Well, it's a balance, right? Because where I am right now, in the older part of our town, the buildings were just being, were just abandoned. So you have to have a certain amount of people coming in to support maintaining all these old structures because it is expensive. But yeah. as you say, not too many people. Yeah, it's, to, it's, having, you know, it's having that balance. But in Kentucky, what you have is you have a free parking area, a lot of yes. free areas to walk around and enjoy the view. But if you want to go over the bridge, you pay a little bit. You want to go up the castle or on the cable car, you pay a little bit. Uh, you want to go into the special museum or the gardens, you pay a little bit. So there are restaurants, there are places you can leave your money with the local people. And this is a problem in some tourist destinations where there's nowhere to spend money mm. there's you know there's no way nowhere to support to stay. Mm. nowhere to stay nowhere to, nowhere eat. to eat and uh i think uh, the next place i want to talk about is kind of one of those areas nagato mm. and it's so famous and so popular mm. and Just it is it is hard to get there 
Can I just um, add two things about you? Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. They have, um, they have a beautiful cherry blossom festival there where the trees are all lit up at night. That's definitely worth going to. And the summer fireworks, which are, of course, canceled right now because of COVID. But they do yeah. have uh, seasonal events that are worth checking out. Oh, for sure. And uh, yeah. thank you for bringing that up because I, I shouldn't have passed so quickly. Um, they do have a castle up on the hill. They do have beautiful gardens, which have seasonal flowers any time of year. They do have walking paths um, that you can take around interesting like temples and shrines. And it's just a really interesting area to explore mm, yeah. and all the festivals. So they have this festival. My favorite one is when everybody dresses up Mm -hmm. in the traditional costumes and walks over the bridge mm -hmm. and they have uh, at the same event they have people doing like a traditional archery <laughs> exhibition yes. and there's lots of uh, stalls selling different kinds of food so definitely Kintaikyo has so much appeal and I think they're doing a great job in terms of events they do flea markets there as well mm -hmm. which brings in a lot of local people as well as visitors right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have a, an American base there as well, so I think they're very, very welcoming to tourists. A lot of people speak English. Yeah. Um, this is kind of one of the things when I talked to the guides this afternoon about Yamaguchi is saying now that we don't have international travelers, mm -hmm. I would love to see more appeal and more focus and communication on trying to get the local military uh, staff on the base to come and explore their travel sites because this yeah. is a great chance to practice before yes. inbound tourism starts back, right? And not just, um, you know, people on the base, but all of us who've been here forever and we're looking yeah. for that authentic Japanese experience. <laughs> Things are getting too modernized here and it t tends to be a lot of the foreigners that often have an interest in things like, you know, wearing kimono. I see lots of the people you've interviewed are very interested in kimono and yeah so i think there's a lot of potential for people within japan definitely and one yeah. of the things that i often say is you can't underestimate how influential the international residents are that you mm -hmm. really should value and try to win the local international residents over because we know that all the local international residents are the ones who are enticing their friends and family over sharing yes. pictures on social media like they are micro influencers and yes, if you can get definitely. them on board and get them excited about a travel location in their area that's really going to pay off you know for sure actually what's interesting because i've been here for 25 years and for the first 20 there wasn't a lot of interest um my family came but not a lot of friends and in the last five years i've had five or six groups wanting to come like the Unfortunately, because of COVID, a lot of people haven't had to cancel, actually. So there's a lot of interest in Japan overseas right now. It's quite, it's quite nice to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, let me show a map of the area because uh, we have been talking about uh, Yamaguchi on the near, very near Hiroshima area, Iwakuni. And then we're going to go now across to Nagato, which is the other coast, 
the other side of this Honshu Island. Um, Yamaguchi is actually, it covers a really big area, mountains, yes. coast, a lot of small, interesting towns. There's so much to talk about. So wow. I hope we give some people um, some insights, but definitely know this is not an exhaustive uh, explanation of everything we're seeing in Yamaguchi. We're, we're just choosing a few here and there to talk about. <laughs> yes. You mentioned some of the places are off the beaten track and it's a little bit easier if you have a car. But honestly, where we are, we're an hour from Hiroshima by Shinkansen. Um, so it's, you know, people come as a lot of people come as far as Hiroshima because it's so such an important place to visit. It's it's not that much farther and you get a real experience of the countryside. Right. I think you get to meet more. Japanese people more easily too if you're in the countryside. So you get that kind of more authentic experience. I think and so. I think Yamaguchi is one of the, the areas that you should choose an, a part of Yamaguchi and plan to stay um, in yes. that area and explore everything like in that kind of closer area because if you plan on going to Nagato side and then the Hikari side oh. or you're going back and forth you're going to spend a lot of time in your car and I think That's in terms of sus sustainable tourism we want to yeah. encourage people to go somewhere and not get out of your car and enjoy like a half day or longer in the same area without driving place to place right yes um, Nagato has gotten a lot of uh, press. I think they were featured by CNN, by BBC. Uh, they're on a lot of social media, people yes. posting these beautiful photos of the red torii gates um, from the mountain to the sea. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous area. And like you mentioned, uh, beautiful drives to and from yes. along the coast. That whole but, coastline is gorgeous. From Shimonoseki right up to Nagato is beautiful, like very rocky and rugged. Yeah, but it, because it has become really popular, uh, remember like if you're visiting any very popular place, try to get there early or try to go later in the afternoon and really try to avoid holidays and weekends because the road leading up to Nagato is just packed with cars that yeah. don't move. There is free yeah. parking, but it's quite a small area. So, Actually, yeah. they have built a new parking lot there. So oh, yeah? talking about sustainability, it's kind of a, the, the road leading there is a very like country road. And it's strange to have a traffic jam in the middle of nowhere, but yeah. So that's that's kind of got implications for maybe too many people visiting Nagato. Yeah, they it'd, be, parking it'd be good. I mean, you can't, you do, you should pay a little bit when you go to yes, the shrine. You do have to pay. Uh, make, make sure that you're leaving some money for them to keep up repairs. And of course, they have staff at the parking lot and, you know, people doing ma maintenance. Mm -hmm. But it would be great to see a parking lot pushed way out down the road to encourage people to make the walk and take in all the views of the rocky coast and then be met with this stunning you know collection of red torii gates all the way yes. from the mountain to the sea which would actually be a better experience i think yeah 
Another thing very close to there, like maybe a five or 10 minute walk is they have the terraced uh, rice paddies going down the hill with the ocean in the background. So I've seen lots of photos on Instagram of that as well. It's yeah. literally 10 or 15 minutes walk. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm showing on screen right now. That's uh what we we made an yeah. effort to get up there and see. But once again, you're on very small country roads and it mm -hmm. gets easily blocked by even a few cars and yeah. their local local traffic. We don't want to annoy local people. So mm -hmm. these these are things we're thinking about, right? Like how yeah. can we have a parking lot which is a bit further away and encourage people to hike and experience the area without inconveniencing the local people and damaging the local environment. It's really worth thinking about, right? Yes. All right. Uh, should we go to Hagi? Okay. Now, Hagi, have you been to Hagi? Yes. Tell, My... tell me about your experience. Um, well, when... Yamaguchi is where the Meiji restoration essentially started. There were two or three different factions. Actually, one was from Shikoku as well that uh, overthrew the, the emperor, basically. So um, after that, they burned down all the castles. <clears throat> so they say when they say that Hagi is a castle town, don't go expecting to see a castle because it's not there. The, the grounds are still there. And I think what's really unique about Hagi is that the actual layout of the whole city has not changed. So uh, actually, one of my favorite places in Hagi is the Hagi Museum. It's very small. It's basically one room, so it's very quick to see, but um, it gives you a really good overview. And they have a diorama showing how life used to be back in before the Meiji Restoration. So you can see how it was first the castle moat and then the samurai houses and then the merchants and then the, the common people. It's really um, quite informative. I, I enjoyed it. And, and lots of uh, uh, things from festivals and, and that as well. So once I knew a little bit more about Hagi, I actually enjoyed it more. Um, it, there was there's a lot of like deep history regarding the, the very first prime minister of Japan came from there and many of the initial ministers who went overseas to study and came back to Japan. Um, they were part of a juku there called so uh, Yoshida Shoin was the, the teacher. Um, so I'm not going to be able to remember it at the moment. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, while so while we're talking history, while we're while we're talking about Hagi, I'm showing the beautiful uh, yeah. official Hagi sightseeing website. I think this is one of the better sightseeing websites for the Yamaguchi area. They have done a really beautiful job. The Heights uh, Hagi sightseeing group. They're showing oh. the amazing pottery of the area. Um, I didn't realize. I think when we visited, we never went to the beach. There's a gorgeous coastline. Yes. And beach there. Yes. Um, there's really interesting streets to walk down mm -hmm. and uh, lots of different experiences. Like you mentioned as well, people are renting kimonos to yes. wear while they walk around this classic town. My husband loves trail running. 
-hmm. He has done a lot of trail runs uh, in the mountains around the area, and it's great for walking and hiking. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's there's a lot here in Hagi. You've got the tradition, but you've got that appreciation of nature and the culture and the crafts as well. So mm -hmm. very impressive. Uh, it's very easy to find the kimono rental places. It's on the tourist information page. And the, actually, they have a festival every year from October, the beginning of October to middle of October, where I think they even give you discounts. If you walk into a shop wearing a kimono, they give you some money off of whatever you buy. And I actually own a kimono, but I never have a chance to wear it. It's basically weddings or I think that's about it when even Japanese people have a chance to wear kimono these days. So it's really nice to have that kind of a destination where you know that you you can get dressed up and there will be other people and encouraging people by giving the discount. Yeah. And uh, something I didn't realize until I started preparing for this talk is they have UNESCO World Heritage yes. uh, status for some of the historical places um, of deep cultural heritage. For example, this furnace mm -hmm. and Hagi Castle Town have both been registered with UNESCO, it says. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of sightseeing spots. I love these uh, white plastered buildings, which were the old merchant houses with the crisscross mm -hmm. pattern, right? And they've restored these so beautifully. It's really nice. Mm. And of Another course, area. The, pottery, uh, the connection with pottery, right? Yes. Well, the furnaces were actually for making cannons. So it sort of a, a start of the industrial industrial revolution in Japan. Yeah, I didn't realize that, but yeah, yeah. that makes sense. A lot, a lot but of the pottery. Um, sorry, the pottery is one reason why a lot of people go to Hagi, especially like Japanese visitors as well because it's a really unique color to the clay it, it ranges from sort of it's not red it's more of an orange or a very light pink almost shade so it's quite unique in japan yeah uh from what i remember from visiting a while ago was uh the canal kind of a stream next to the roads that you walk through and it, yes. it has fish swimming up the stream and mm -hmm. then uh, when you look at the pottery, like Bizen, like we were talking about Bizen, Yaki, and Okayama yesterday, uh, Hagi is as renowned, if not more, I don't know, they have a rivalry about which mm -hmm. is more famous for pottery. But the thing that I really love about the traditional pottery is the idea that it comes from beautiful, natural, pristine nature. And yes. after many years of use, it can go back to nature. And that, of course, is a beautiful, sustainable, circular economy idea, mm. <laughs> which is and very also, embedded in traditional Japan. It's wonderful. Yes. And also like kimono, it, it tends to be something that gets passed down. So hagi pottery is kept in the family for hundreds of years. Yeah, uh, kimono. Yeah, definitely something we've we've mentioned uh, many times, and definitely something I love. And hopefully, you can find some uh, great 
kimono secondhand at the flea markets in this area. They have a lot of great flea markets because yes. the material is so high quality. Mm. You can use it for generations and you can reuse parts of it um, to make other products if a part mm. of it becomes damaged or something. And there's so much beautiful heritage, culture, tradition, but also sustainability embedded in kimono culture. So it's yes. so wonderful to see it in yeah. practice, not just in a museum, right? Well, I often think if we just went back to our grandparents' generations, we would be way more sustainable. In Japan, they used to carry furoshkis, like just a cloth that you would wipe, wrap your, your, your shopping or whatever you were carrying in. There's so many good ideas and we don't have to go that far back in history to find much more sustainable options, right? Absolutely. I love Fudoshiki, and that's something I always mention. Um, do you know Lush? I always say to yes. you know policymakers and guides. An international company has started using Fudoshiki wrapping instead yes. of plastic bags. Why isn't that standard use in Japan? You know, like it's obviously appreciated abroad. Let's bring it here, and it has such a high quality, high value impression that yes. you are going to enhance the perception of your product that you're wrapping inside, right? That would be a good use for reuse, reusing kimonos because I think the colors and the patterns in Japan are very unique and a lot of people from overseas like the, the colors and everything. So even some sort of, you know, a tourism kind of a, a promotion for your city, you could put something onto it. There's lots of ways that a furoshiki could come back, I think. Definitely. Now, uh, let's go to a very small place in Yamaguchi, which I think has a lot of charm and appeal. Have you ever been to the goldfish lantern town of Yanai? Yes, that's very close to here as well. Nice. And Can they, you tell us a, a little job. bit about it? Yeah. Um, they do have a fireworks festival at the end of August when the lanterns are lit up and you can walk the streets at night, but the lanterns are always there. Um, I'm not sure if it's always open or maybe just on weekends, but you can actually even make a little goldfish lantern. Um, but they've done a really good job of sort of like keeping that theme with the souvenirs that they sell in the souvenir shops. It's just lovely to walk along the old street because it, you can see again how you, people used to live. That's kind of what I like, being able to take a time trip back. There, there is one merchant's house that you can go into. I think he was the soy sauce maker. Um, and uh, in the olden days, they used to tax you based on the width of the front of your store. Um, so you'll see a lot of the buildings are very narrow in the front, but they're really, really, really long in the back. So it's almost like three buildings right back to and in the olden days the ocean actually used to be right behind that street so it would back onto the ocean and people would have boats there but they've reclaimed so much land in the area now that you wouldn't know that if you went but it's kind of fun to go into the old houses and see the old kitchen and some of the the bento boxes that they used to use and again the, the beautiful garden the soy sauce maker there is actually really interesting too. You can see soy sauce being made at the end of the street. It's like still still a working soy sauce factory. I love that. 
Um, the Setouchi Finder did a really nice introduction of how you could go and do the paper making for the lanterns. Mm -hmm. um, the goldfish, they do have a festival for the Yanai goldfish lanterns as well. Yes. Um, it's uh, just to warn people, it is the most easy to get there by car. But even if you're driving there, it's very easy to miss. Like oh. it's just the tiniest town. And parking is a bit of an issue um, yeah. sometimes, but if you can find yourself there, I think cycling past would actually work really well yes. because cycling, then you wouldn't would have like to, to worry about parking, of, right? I'd like to see more of cycling in this area. I, I, you know, everyone bikes in Japan, people bike to school and to work, but they don't have designated bike lanes on the roads. So that makes me nervous. So I do see some touring cyclists, but it's an ideal area for cycling because beautiful scenery and nice winding roads. It's, it would be fun to ride around, I think. Yana is actually the, the it's called the Shirakabe Machi, white walled town. It's actually not too far from the station, but yes, I did get lost the first time I tried to find it. <laughs> I think we we were looking for it like we really wanted to go and we drove by it like three Next times. Week. It's so easy to do. <laughs> um, yeah, I, as I mentioned, Setouchi Finder website, they've done a really nice job. They've got some great pictures. I know that uh, Linda from Iwakuni Foodie, mm -hmm. she also has beautiful pictures from there. Uh, you can find a lot of the beautiful goldfish and the beautiful town uh, if you search social media and Yana yes. goldfish, goldfish town, maybe. <laughs> I love this uh, manhole cover. This is a, a theme I mentioned yes. yesterday for Okayama as well, is sometimes the manhole covers are so unique and cute. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, we have about 20 more minutes. Uh, should Ooh. we try one more destination? Can sure. we talk a little bit about Oshima, which is also yes. on the other coast away from you? So Oshima is not so far from Nagato where all the shrines are. Is that right? The Ooh. Shrine Tori Gates? Um, there's actually two Oshimas, right? There's one that you take As a ferry well. from Hagi that's mm -hmm. very, very small. And there's one that's between Iwakuni and where I am, which a lot of people from Hiroshima visit in the summer. So that's actually been quite a hot spot for new cafes. And uh, there's a jam maker there. There's um, lots of new little businesses opening up there, which is really exciting to see. It's what we talked about earlier, getting this balance between enough people coming to support new businesses and and not having, you know, things be over-touristed. Yeah. But um, I think it's a sister if city you, with Hawaii. If you search, yeah, if you search Google for Oshima, you, like you said, you'll have two places. I think yes. it's Suo Oshima or Oshima, yes. right? And they're yes. both in both in Yamaguchi. And is it Suo Oshima that has the famous bridge that everybody takes a picture yes. of? Because it looks like a tiny bridge connecting your island to the next island. It's quite popular yes. on yes. social media. Yes. And uh, because of their sister city relationship with Hawaii, I think all the people 
sounds like we might we you might be cutting out, Allison. Are you okay? Marathon that you and I have run. That's right. Um, I think I so. I forgot about that. There is a running race along that coast that can we've been to. Okay. I, I can I can hear can you, you now, me? but you're cutting in, cutting in and out. Um, you. It's a. It's a great area to okay. cycle around. Uh, it's very popular for people who are studying hula. Uh, there's a lot of hula events along the beaches. It's sometimes referred to as the Hawaii of Japan or the Hawaii of Yamaguchi. Um, being from Hawaii, I don't mind that. I love people using Hawaiian culture. Hawaiian hula is actually the number one most studied dance in Japan, even more than Japanese dance or any other kind of dance. I think flamenco might be number two, but, but hula is, there's a huge wow. passion for hula in Japan. And Suo-Oshima is definitely somewhere you can see hula in action. It's also great for cycling, beautiful mm. coastline. A lot of people talk yes. about uh, camping along that coast. Uh, the beaches are great. They have some hot spring onsens that are worth visiting. Um, and there's a lot of restaurants and eateries and, and you know, cultural appeal like shrines and temples along the way worth seeing. So I really like this yeah. coast. It's a bit of an effort to get there from Hiroshima, but once you're there, mm. you can spend mm -hmm. time and enjoy it, right? The, yeah. the uh, race that we run was ran was awesome though it's such a good example of japan and because i've seen that during the olympics people couldn't keep off the streets they really wanted to cheer on all the marathon runners being being a kind of It sounds like we might have might be losing you again. You're cutting in and out there, Allison. Uh, do you can you hear okay. me? Oh, I can hear you now. Yes. Do you do you want to walk around the market and show us a little bit of the Hikari market today? Okay. So, as we mentioned at the beginning, there there is an antique market. It's on the fourth Sunday of every month. And they do have antique shops coming from Hiroshima, from other places. So there tends to be a lot of real, really like authentic antiques. So like the old um, iron, cast iron teapots and the kimonos and obis and things. Um, but very, very cheap. I bought three obis for the belt for the kimono for three, one, 300 yen each. Oh, and she wow. was selling the kimonos for that price as well. Awesome. So, the market, the market that I'm at today is actually sort of a new initiative to try and revitalize these old buildings, make use of the old buildings in this part of town. So it's kind of a mix of new crafts people coming and selling things. There's uh, organic food, um, but it's just bringing people into the streets. And I don't know, even in Japan, we're starting to get more and more of the big box stores. So anywhere you go in the country, you can find the same stores. And 
in the olden days, even when I first moved here 20 or 25 years ago, we used to walk to the Shotengai to like the street with all the little shops and we knew the owners and we'd talk to them. So this is kind of more like that experience. And yeah. I love that. So No, it's so important. And it's so important to have something like mm. an event or like a festival, which the locals want and which increases the value of the quality of life for locals. We don't want yes. to make everything just about the visitor and, yes. you know, cater only to the visitor. That's not going to work. That's not sustainable. We need yeah. things that local people need, that local people value, that enhances their life and their connection with other people. And I think connection especially now... Right. Especially yeah. now during COVID, when people feeling so isolated and yes. separated and not sure about the future. So these kind of festivals are so important. Looking yeah, forward to seeing it. You find out about things that are being made right next door that you didn't know about. Right. So I'm just going to turn my camera around, put my mask on. Give me a minute here. Okay. All right, so Allison is gonna take us through a local market. What's the market called today, Allison? It's called Murozumi Ichibam. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook, I think. So it's in an old house that's kind of been um, fixed up. It's nice. just displaying things, isn't it? So this is a lot of new furniture, the baskets, the wooden things. Um, I'll show you the bag for the market because these are all the people that have started it. I just love this bag. Oh, that's great. I love that design. Isn't that beautiful? So this is the organic food and bento section. You can see how busy it is. They usually sell out by noon or, you know, 11 o'clock. I so. love that there's there's a lot of reusable containers there. Uh, yeah. There's not not as much plastic as usual. That's lovely to see. And you said organic, which is, of course, yeah. better for the environment. Wonderful. Yeah. Better for our health. There's uh, lots of Alishan here. I know you've interviewed them before on your show. Alishan, yes. Big fan of Jack Bales and his team. They have an organic and healthy foods online shop and uh, shop in, I believe, Saitama. There, yeah, I see a lot of Alishan Tengu goods there. So, there's fresh vegetables. <laughs> and it's organic. Nice. Hello. <laughs> what, what kind of vegetables are they? Can you show us? Yeah, we have some edamame, which you will know. People overseas will know as well. Yeah. Uh, some unusual colored okra. And it's all organic. Oh, look at the red okra. I love that. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And what's this? What do I know this Oh, okay. It's used in Chinese food. Do you know what kushinsai is? No, but it's used in Chinese cooking. Minor vegetable. Minor vegetable, but if it grows locally, wonderful. 
And there's some accessories, accessory makers. And this is my favorite shop because she says she forages a lot of the things from her garden. Isn't it just beautiful though? Really nice. And are there any bonsai? We have a lot of interest in bonsai on Haps bonsai, sometimes. Yeah, I actually bought one last time. Look at that, 300 yen. Oh, they're gorgeous little bonsai. Yeah. And she's got unusual things like a goya and some chestnuts and basil. I love basil. Make some pesto. This is something called yoga, which is um, a herb that we use kind of as a topping for sashimi. But the flowers smell amazing. I don't think many people know that they have such beautiful, sweet-smelling flowers. Wow, myoga. I've heard of it, but I don't think I've eaten it. It's very good. And she has little bouquets of uh, Cosmos for 100 yen. And actually, this woman Cosmos is... flowers. So you can see the, the ocean theme in her products in the pottery it's beautiful <laughs> ceramic yeah. and pottery so earrings and tray. i love the glaze isn't it gorgeous it just yeah. looks exactly like the ocean in Hiroshima. beautiful <laughs> hello hello <laughs> This is the old street. So there's another shop over there that has like calligraphy and things. If you wanted me to go in, I could go in there. And this is like a new coffee shop that's opened up. And they are, uh, he has a special process that he uses to brew it using salt from one of the islands around here. They're making wow. ocean water kind of a, a project of labor of love because it's really a difficult process right yeah so and he's using local salt to make what in the brewing process for the coffee I don't really understand it I'll have to ask him and get back to you on that one wow I've never heard of that using salt in coffee brewing that sounds mm. really interesting and he has um, some salt pudding as well. You know, salt caramel and salted chocolate are really popular right now. So he's got some of that as well. This shop is really interesting because it's kind of a more Showa era, like the 60s and 70s. Um, I like the colors, the bright pastels. It's just so well decorated inside. Like it's, it just is so nostalgic, even for me. So we have a donut maker here today. Yunago Donuts, is it? Yes. I like the sign. Oh, Yagoro. Yagoro I guess, Donuts. I guess it's him, right? <laughs> oh, with the spectacles. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a, you know, I kind of like this reuse of a Lando cell. Oh, so cute. As a mailbox. Lansail is the kids' uh, school bags in Japan for elementary school kids. That's a cute idea. So you've got a mixture of like old antique things in this shop. And, and for today, for the market, people are here setting up.
selling, you know, this is a, a baker selling cookies and Konnichiwa. <laughs> Hello. Konnichiwa. <laughs> and uh, jams, we've got jams here. It looks like such a great community event, Allison. Thank you for sharing. Yes. yes, and all these old glass bottles, that's what I ended up buying the last time. Oh, I love those. Aren't old glass bottles so pretty and they last such a long time? It's so nice if you can reuse them in some way. Yes, the, the colors, I don't know if they make those colors anymore. And all these old signs, I think they might have been store signs. What do they say? I think they might have been like signs that were posted outside of shops, but they're like flags, right? Yeah, they kind of look like banners, like you might see on a ship or uh, maybe in a sake or a festival or something. Yes, it's kind of hard to see them when you get too close because it's dark. That's very, cool. very cool. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. They use them as their decoration. Reuse them. I like that. So can I just take you down to down a roji and to the ocean? And that's probably the end of my little tour. There's other shops if you want me to go in. I know. That's okay. We have a few minutes. So ending that's at the ocean. Thinking. Okay. Yeah. Ending okay. at the beautiful beach of Hikari would be great. I know um, when I visited you there, it's it's a nice beach town, but also there's some charming traditional buildings. There's um, the port and the the shipping industry, kind of traditional culture as well. It's a really interesting area. Yes. So actually, when I was talking about the storefronts being quite narrow, but the building being quite long, this is all one building. <laughs> That was where I was inside the office in the back room when we started talking. Yeah, I love this though. Like you can't drive a car down here. It's only for no. walking. Only and for we pedestrians. They were just I trimming this tree this morning when I walked by. It's so pretty. I love when they design them so beautifully. They kind of look like a giant bonsai. Yes. <laughs> they, that, Cutting is quite intricate, I think. I'm almost there. You can maybe hear the wind. Yeah. And did you say there's some water sports that you can do at the beach now? Yes. Oh, I was so excited. And again, I find out all these things from Instagram. A friend of mine was supping here a couple of weekends ago. And I found out it's actually the company that does it on Miyajima. You know, they do the beautiful tours that go through the Tori Gate on Miyajima. Yeah. They've started a branch here in Murozumi. And this is basically the area that they, they launch from. <clears throat> so they go out around that peninsula, which is called Zobigaseki, which means elephant's nose. It's supposed to look like an elephant. I think that's his body. Elephant's trunk. Nose. Yeah, yes. I, I can see it. You can't see the little... Um, temple on the end of the peninsula because of the breakwater but um there's a hotel up near where that white dome is there's a hotel there it's a campo noyado which has a hot spring bath on the top floor 
Nice. Uh, that's kind of, we don't have a lot of local places to stay, but that one is quite nice. You get a really nice view over the ocean at night from the bath, if you don't mind getting naked in front of strangers, because we don't wear <laughs> bathing suits in the hot springs in Japan, right? No. Uh, Ellen has joined from Facebook. She says, stand up and paddleboard is cool. Yeah. He hello, my gorgeous friend. It's nice to have oh. you here, Ellen. Thanks for coming from Australia. Ellen used to live here and she's a big Japan fan. So she could probably tell you a lot of beautiful places to visit as well. Oh, yeah. I love hearing from people who love visiting Japan and local residents. Uh, there's so much to see and do. I hope uh, once people come back to Japan, they plan on spending some time because there's so much to explore yes all over the, the country so welcoming and so happy to see people like when i travel in japan everyone is so friendly it's it's a, an important part of the experience i think to meet people yeah to make sure. those connections right definitely and I had a, a really nice meal with you last time I went to that area and we yes. booked in advance and they made something vegetarian, I believe, and they were so mm -hmm. nice. And so yeah. there's some there's some young <laughs> entrepreneurs trying new things yes. as well as people reviving traditional things. So yes. you've got you've got a nice combination there, I think. Yeah, I think again, it's like my hometown in Canada. It's Often the people who come from far away, they recognize the beauty and, and start new things and bring new energy to a place. So yeah, yeah. that's where the, the temple is. You can just barely see part of the roof, but there's a lighthouse there. Apparently we used to trade with China like 200 years ago and the boats would come in here. So that's um, another interesting part of the history of the town which i don't know very much about yet but nice. it's a beautiful place come and visit it is a beautiful place worth visiting for sure and it's it's one of those places that you often you do not see on any travel brochure um, yeah. for a hikari but it, it is a place that i hear from a lot of locals from hiroshima and other areas who always enjoy it when they go there so it's definitely yeah. worth spending I some time one more comment, just to um, jump back to the SUP idea. I've always thought that it would be great if there were bike rental shops here. Because I think um, in Japan, they're not quite at the... Um, people go to the onsen hotels and they go to places where everything's already there. But in a place like this, we need to bring, get people here. We need to give them activities that they can do so that they can enjoy the nature. So. If you're coming from far away, it's a bit of a problem bringing us up or bringing a, a kayak or bringing a bicycle. It'd be great if we could provide those kinds of activities so that it becomes a really family-oriented vacation spot. Yeah, absolutely. And people here for a few days, right? Like Whistler in Vancouver is famous for cycling in the summer, golf in the summer, skiing in the winter. It's just. And you just want to stay there forever because the scenery is so beautiful, right? That's right. But you need uh, to have something to do while you're there. Yeah. Allison, can you turn around the camera so we can see you and say goodbye? Okay. I have my mask on. 
So thank you everybody for joining and it was so fun talking to you, Allison, and exploring some of the sites and places that we've we've both enjoyed in the Yamaguchi area. That was so fun. Thank you. Sorry for the technical issues. It's my first time. No, you did great. Fantastic. I hope I hope to see lots more because you are experiencing so much uh, enthusiasm on the community level there, which it's is awesome. so fun to share with yeah. all of us because we want to see that. From it. I, I should have taken a little bit more time through the market actually. It was so nice. Everybody wanted to talk to you. Yeah. Well, you can do another live stream anytime. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Allison. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Have a good day. Come visit.